Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome to the Debbie Delight, brought to you by ExpandTheBoxScore.com, with your hosts Ricky Valero and Chris Stoops, bringing you all the guys who should be on your fantasy radar this season and leading into your upcoming rookie draft. Welcome to another edition of the David Delight, brought to you by ExpandTheBoxScore.com. I am your host, Ricky Valera. On today's episode, we are going to continue on with our 2021 rankings. Last week, we did the quarterbacks. Go ahead and check that episode out. And this week, we're going to focus in and hone in on our first look at these running back rankings. I'm kind of excited about that. As always, I am joined by my partner in crime, Stoops. How are you, sir? I'm doing great, and I'm, I'm just as excited as you are to dive into this a little bit more. And It's funny how, and we might have said it on, on one of the episodes previous, but I know we've talked about it off air, how the 2020 class, right, everyone was just hyping it up to be this amazing class, and then guys started going back to school and so on and so forth. And you even said to me how this 2021 class, it potentially could be a better style class you know what the 2020 is and i think we even i think we did talk about it because you started talking about the depth of one compared to top end talent and so on and so forth but to dive in a little bit deeper and see these names that um again potentially could be coming out in 2021 um it's been pretty exciting yeah i would agree with you i mean we do know that some of the top heavy guys in this class are more or less having to come out you know what i mean so we know that the three guys that we thought were going to be in this current draft class that left talk about etn hubbard and uh Najee harris those three guys are you know gonna be coming out you know what i mean they're seniors so it, it, throw those guys in the mix with some of the guys that are juniors and you know depending on how the year pans out but you're right it could be a very loaded class and i do truly think looking at it and kind of dissecting the rankings a little bit I really feel like this class is going to be better. I just, I think talent wise, I think it is a lot more top heavy. But when I was going through my rankings, I think maybe, maybe the depth of the, of the class is might be a little bit better this year. I don't know. I just really like a lot of these guys in that lower tier, and I was kind of watching some tape. And I think there's a lot of guys that don't that I couldn't pinpoint and put in my rankings yet because there's so many question marks. There's like a guy like uh, like. Like Lorenzo Lingard, five you know five star prospect transferring from Miami to Florida. Florida, I think, is going to be one of the. You said it, and I've said it too. They're going to be one of the best teams in college next year if they just put the pieces together. They are loaded with talent across the board. But you know, Lingard hasn't ran the ball very much. But I could foresee someone like Lingard going out there and just having a monster season and declaring for this draft and being you know right up there in that top echelon of the class. So there's a lot of guys, in my opinion, that. Um, I left off because of a lot of the question marks, but I'm kind of excited, intrigued by the guys that I haven't mentioned or are not going to mention because I think that there's a lot of guys with a lot of question marks. Yeah, I, I agree. And I even told you off air as far as my rankings, I have it set to where I like it today, but I still have those guys where come start of the season, 
they'll either be put into my top 10 or, you know, even in the top 15 or some of these guys that are in top 10 currently may drop down. So it's going to be interesting to see, but this is definitely a um, early look into the, the 2021 running backs. I agree 100%. All right, so we're going to follow suit like we do with all of these ranking um, podcasts. We're going to go ahead and start and kick it off with our 10 through 6. So what do you got? All right, so sitting at number 10, I've got um, C.J. Verdell out of Oregon. Number nine, um, guy that I actually talked about on, on um, I think it was on whenever we did our uh, conference-specific ones last season, uh, Rakeem Boyd out of Arkansas. I still like him a lot. Number eight, Jamar Jefferson out of Oregon State. Number seven, a guy that I like a lot, a lot. But again, the class, so it kind of pushes some other guys down, right? So I got Puka Williams sitting at number seven. And six, I've got Kenneth or Kenny Gainwell. Yeah, so I've got Trey Regis from uh, Louisiana. Uh, I've got Jartavius Whitlow from Auburn. He's a guy I really like a whole lot. He run, He's a hard runner, boy. He's a just a beast out there. C.J. Ferdell out of Oregon coming in at number eight. Jameer Jefferson, somebody who I really, really like, slotted at number seven. And Kylan Hill from Mississippi State slotted at number six. Another guy that I really like. You're right, man. It's like some of these guys, like just hypothetically, like Etienne Hubbard and Harris would have really came out. There's a couple of these guys that would have easily been like one, two, three. You know what I'm saying? Like that kind of really just kind of got pushed down because of those guys coming back. But Absolutely. Uh, but in that 10 through six, give me a guy you want to talk about a little bit. Yeah, a guy that I man, I I really really like uh, Kenneth Gainwell out of uh, out of Memphis. So um, he was a three star prospect coming out of high school. He was the one thousand six hundred fourteenth ranked player in his class. He was an actually an athlete coming out, so he's able to do it all, and it really does show in his game. He was the one hundred twenty fourth athlete, um, number twenty ninth ranked player in uh, the state of Mississippi. So when you look at his film uh, when he was at Memphis, like I said, he he's done it all. He can catch the ball um, out of the backfield. He had fifty one receptions on fifty eight targets last year for six hundred ten yards and three receiving touchdowns. That's huge to me. We've talked about it over and over and over and over again you see it on twitter you hear it um you know on on even on like the combine the fact that these running backs are able to catch the ball out of the backfield it just skyrockets their value um but on top of that um he had a total of 230 rushing attempts so he touched the ball a lot he had 1457 rushing yards um 6.3 yards per carry so very solid number and 13 rushing touchdowns so i absolutely love the numbers that you see on on on, um on on the paper 147.6 yards per per game so absolutely love that and and as i've done with other ones i went through and kind of looked at those top games right whenever they played some top opponents so the guys that he played against are the teams that they played against that were in the top 25 against smu who was number 15 at the time 21 88 rushing yards and a rushing touchdown um he only had two receptions but he only had two targets so caught all those for 14 yards no touchdowns uh, against Cincinnati, played them two weeks in a row, 15 rushing attempts the first go around, 87 yards, um, three receptions, uh, 20 receiving yards, no touchdowns all around. Against uh, Cincinnati that second time around, 18 rushing attempts, 44 yards, so dropped a little bit, no touchdowns, caught three of his five, um, or three passes on five targets for 40 receiving yards and no touchdowns. But against Penn State, that's where I really, really started to notice him. Um he killed it in the in the passing game in that one. So, but to go with the rushing real quick, nine rushing attempts, thirty three yards, um, one rushing touchdown. So a little bit light on the uh, rushing yards there, but didn't get a whole lot of attempts either. 
Uh, but he did get a touchdown. So he caught seven receptions on eight targets for 78 yards, no touchdowns. But it's just the fact that he's able to catch the ball so well out of the backfield and um, obviously able to, to carry a decent workload with 230 rushing attempts on the season was just a, a phenomenal thing to see from me or for me. Um, but nine of his 14 games, he did catch 100% of his passes that were thrown his way. He got 29 passes, 247 yards, and a touchdown in those nine games. Seven games, he had more. He had 100 plus rushing yards. Nine games with a, a touchdown scored, and four games with multiple touchdowns. So he's definitely able to to make plays with the ball in his hands again, whether it be on the ground or in the passing game. Absolutely love seeing that. The one thing I would like to see a little bit more from him, and it's not even so much in his play, um, 5'11", you know, decent height. He's not going to – he's not a, you know, a Najee Harris or a Derrick Henry level, you know, height size guy. But he is only 185 pounds, so I'd love to see him put on a little bit more weight. Now, will that affect his speed? Maybe, maybe not. We've even seen with these guys at the Combine now where they put on some weight and they ran essentially just as fast as we thought they would before. So um, love to see him put on a little bit more weight, but absolutely love his game. I went and dug a little bit deeper um, into it, and I kind of looked at like his offensive line, right? So um, he lo- they lost two starters um, on that offensive line, but essentially getting three experienced guys back is going to be a big thing for him. So I-, I think they'll be able to make that work. Um, and then with Patrick, uh, Patrick Taylor gone, Albeit he did, he was uh, injured for a little bit, but he only played about six games. But that's still 78 rushing attempts and 350 uh, rushing yards with five rushing touchdowns. That that he's going to be able to essentially eat into a little bit. Now they did get a, a uh, JUCO transfer, uh, Kalen Granberry. Um, I forgot what JUCO he went to, but nonetheless he played 10 games. He had 141 rushing attempts there for 789 rushing yards and 10 rushing touchdowns. The good thing is for. Um, for Gainwell is that Granberry wasn't used as much in the passing game. And it could just be that offensive scheme, but he only had three receptions for 31 yards. So I don't think he's going to come in and really take too much from Gainwell on that aspect. But um, I do think Granberry is going to come in and essentially take that Patrick Taylor role. Right. So he's going to essentially probably take those 78 rushing attempts, possibly more. And I think uh, Gainwell can go down on that 230. I don't think he'll quite hit that number. But the fact that he's able to do that and produce is a massive um, upside for me. So he's a guy that I really, really, really like. Um, He can get it done in big – he can get it done in short yardage situations. Uh, You name it, he can get it done. So definitely a guy that I think you need to be keeping an eye on throughout this season. Um, Whether he comes out or not, we'll see. Obviously, we expect a lot of guys to come out, but he could be one that, that definitely goes back. So We'll see. But like I said on previous episodes, last episode actually with the quarterbacks, Memphis is a team you, you want to keep an eye on this year. They could be a scary team to, to play this year. Yeah, it's funny you say that, talking about some of these guys. It's like, man, I think they're going to come out. And then it's like, well, we really thought Harris and Etienne and Hubbard were coming out. So it's definitely interesting, especially talking about some of these juniors, because they have to have just one little misstep or where three or four other guys kind of step up and then, you know, maybe it's like, all right, well, I'll come back for my senior year to kind of prove kind of like what a Keyshawn Vaughn did. I think Keyshawn Vaughn elevated his draft status coming back for his senior year. And then, of course, he kind of lucked into those top three guys leaving as well. But the guy that I want to talk about is uh, Trey Regis from um, Louisiana. So the big thing for me, him right off the back, is this guy is very talented in both sides of the ball. So rushing and receiving 
Um, 2019 stats were a little bit down. Um, I'll go ahead and prefix that right out the way. He's a three-star prospect, 5'11", 227. So he's got a little bit of beef on him. Kind of like what you said you wanted out of um, Kenneth uh, Gainwell there. He's got a little bit of beef. He's a power back. He's hard to bring down. You know, some of that stuff that you, you like to see right away. 465 carries, 2,814 2, yards. He's averaged six, six yards a clip. Coming off his best season, averaging 7.1 yards per carry. He's got 28 total touchdowns for his uh, rushing touchdowns, 31 overall. He's got 40 catches, 321. Um, the, obviously, the big thing for him this year was he had 90 less carries this year. So his his numbers and production were down in in some aspects. Um, he wasn't catching the ball as much out of the backfield. But the, the crazy thing about it is, is this team is a high-volume rushing team. They had three guys over 800 yards last year. Elijah Mitchell took a lot of what Ragus had for the year before. So for me, it was... That's and Mitchell came out in the draft, so there's some carries opening up for him right there. And, and even Raymond Kelly's, um, who plays on the team as well, had 117 carries last year. So they spread out the ball, especially to have three guys be able to rush for over 800 yards in one offense. And uh, and then they had uh, all three guys had over uh, you know seven plus touchdowns as well. But Ragus does a lot right for me. He has 500 touches in his in his. Uh, college career and has zero fumbles that right off the back is beautiful he averages 5.5 yards per carry on first down uh third down in 2019 nine carries six converted into first downs nine red zone touchdowns you love to see that one of the big things that i think that i like that you've done is kind of go back and watch some highlighted games of of the big games against a big school in 2018 taking on alabama 16 carries 111 yards and a touchdown that's a pretty big game for a guy, you know, in a small school like this. I, I really like what I see out of this kid. Um, 23 out of 38 career games, he's had um, a touchdown. Uh, he's had 12 100-yard games. He's a small, t- he's a small school guy right off the bat. You can say that, you know, very easily. Share the ball a little bit. You know, there's questions on whether the talent is 100% there. Just based on the loan that they, you know, they decided a year at, a year removed from averaging five point seven yards per carry, he had uh, eleven hundred yards in twenty eighteen, twenty five catches, two twenty nine as well. But the thing for me that kind of was confusing is, all right, so Elijah Mitchell steps in and then he gets all the carries. So I don't think it's a knock on his ability. This is why I have him a little bit lower because I kind of want to see a little bit more from him this year. I wanted him to kind of take the transition. And I kind of sunk my teeth into this guy a little bit more than I kind of anticipated because he kind of reminds me a little bit of a Keyshawn Vaughn per se because I think he does everything right. He's a pretty solid pass blocker, pretty solid. He's got the good hands as he had 25 25 catches in uh, 2018. So he does these things right. He just had a down year. And I think that if he's able to click on all cylinders like he did the year before – I think we're going to be talking about him in this top tier of this class like we did with Keyshawn Vaughn. He came back, he fixed the tools, and he just knocked it out of the ballpark. So he's somebody that I think that needs to really have an eye on coming into this season because I think he's got a load of talent. He's a big back. I think he's a bruiser. But at the same time, he's got some pretty good speed that you know can kind of hit you on the next level. So he's somebody I really like. I look forward to seeing what 2021 has in store for him, Stoops. Yeah, and I like what you said, and and the reason that I dug in, um, or I'm sorry, look closer at, you know, whenever they play those big games, it's because obviously the good teams have NFL um, talent on there. You know, some of those top programs just have a good, you know, um, 
chemistry throughout the team and they may not necessarily all transition to the NFL, but nonetheless, it's talent that, that could be playing on the next level. So definitely love seeing what they can do against those top players or those top programs, especially coming from small school guys. You know, the ones who, when they get into the conference play, they might play one ranked opponent or potentially no ranked opponents. So those, um, those non-conference games are big for those small school teams. So that, that's why I like digging in a little bit deeper into those top programs that they played against. Yeah, and like you just hit it right on the head with the you know small school programs when they they do some of them do play at least one or two games against the big school, uh, big schools. What is it like for them to play against those teams, and do they have success? Because it's very vital when you're looking at the tape. You know, it's like oh well, he had. 200 yards against, you know, Washington State University Part 2, whatever, you know, Division 65 school. But then when he went out there against Alabama, what really impressed me is he had some very good runs in that game. 16 carries, 111 yards, and a touchdown. I mean, that's really good numbers against a top-flight school. So I'll be interested to see what 2021 has in store for him, and I'm ready to dive in 5-1. through one. Absolutely. All right, Steve, let's go ahead and kick us off with your 5-1. through one. All right, so sitting at number five, I've got Kylan Hill um, out of Mississippi State. Number four, and this is where, again, with this class, put these four in any order, and I probably wouldn't, you know, bash on you two too much. But number four, I've got Max Borgie. Number three, I've got Chuba out of Oklahoma State. And number two, I've got Najee Harris. And number one, Travis Etienne. Yeah, so I've got Borgie at five. I actually have Puka as high as four on mine. I really like Puka, man. I just... When I was playing around with it, because I really feel like you're right, there's that four there, but I just like Puka a little bit more than I do mm-hmm. Borgie. I think Max has a really good opportunity to showcase himself this year from the transition from Leach's offense to a more run-heavy offense this year, so that's going to be good for him. Number three, I've got Najee Harris. I think that these three guys at the top are very interchangeable. Um, I like what I saw out of Harris, and if he does a fraction of what he did last year, he could very well be the, ne- the first back off this uh, off the board in the next draft because he is a monster. He's 6'3", 224. Chuba, number two, and Travis Etienne at number one. Again, you can't really go wrong with any one of those three guys. Um, so, Stoops, who are you going to talk about? Yeah, the guy that I'm going to talk about is Max Borgie out of Washington State again. Um, like you said, for me uh, – seeing what he can do in a different style offense you know with Mike Leach it was a very very pass heavy offense so this is where I kind of dug in a little bit deeper to a Washington State offense from last season to basically the Hawaii offense uh, which is where Nick uh, what is Rolovich I guess how you say it kind of where he came from so with Washington State um, it was 81.1 percent of their plays were pass plays so that's huge you know so for Max Borgie he had what was it I had it pulled up here and I lost it 90 wow 86 there it is. I was like, uh, 96 targets but he had 86 receptions so for him to have those types of receptions um in that style of offense is not something that you should be shocked about you know only 18.9 percent of their total plays um were rush attempts in that washington state offense so it's going to be interesting to see how it changes this year because in a hawaii offense they still pass the ball quite a bit it was still something that was very common um, in that style, but only 71.9% of the plays were passed compared to the uh, the 28.1, which were rush attempts. So it's going to be very interesting to see what we uh, 
see on the ground for Max Borgie because we know he can catch the ball, obviously. He had a phenomenal year on the, the, the passing side of it. Um, but I dug a little deeper and looked at the games where he had 10 or more rushing attempts. It was six weeks, I believe, once, yeah, six games that he had 10 or more rushing attempts. So I'm just going to list it. I'm not going to list each game. Um, but as a whole, 72 rush attempts for 561 rushing yards and six rushing touchdowns. That's 7.8 yards per carry. So he can get it done on the ground, right? We've seen it uh, when he gets that opportunity, but most games, he's really realistically was only running the ball four, five, six times. So he's not getting a lot. And honestly, even 10, 12, 10, and 10, like that's still not a lot, you know, as a running back in this Hawaii style offense, I think he can see the ball quite a bit more. And I think it's going to be interesting to see what he can do. But nonetheless, um, this past season against those top opponents, when they played uh, number nine, 19, I'm sorry, number 19, Utah at the time, eight rushing attempts, 51 rushing yards, no touchdowns on the ground. Uh, he caught nine of uh, nine receptions on nine targets for 70 yards, no touchdowns. Um, against number 16, Arizona State, nine rushing attempts, 31 rushing yards, and he had a touchdown. He caught five receptions on six targets for 32 yards, no touchdowns on the air. Number 11, Oregon, um, he had eight rushing attempts, 54 rushing yards, and one touchdown. He caught eight receptions on eight targets. So when the ball was thrown his way, he definitely caught him. And in that Oregon game, 70 receiving yards, no uh, no receiving touchdowns. But against those top programs, man, he, he got the job done. He did exactly what he needed to do, what they expected him to do in that style of an offense. So um, I do think this coming season that his receptions will go down from that 86 mark. I would be shocked if it fell any lower than probably 60 receptions still. I think that that's, that's his niche. That's where he excels exceptionally in that, that style of play. But I do think they're going to give him more rushing attempts. He only had 127 rushing attempts last season, 817 yards though. So he made it worth the while when they put the ball in his hands on that, those running plays when he had a 11 rushing touchdowns. So he can get it done on the ground. Um, there's no question about it, but I want to see, more rushing attempts to see how it, it how he handles it you know having a heavier workload on that aspect of the game so it's going to be interesting to see how, how um mr uh what is it nick rolovich comes in and, and and mixes some things up and changes that offensive style and it was funny i think i even said it on air on previous episodes max borgie sent out a tweet once that that change got made and the hire was, was there he even said he's like oh i'll finally be able to run the ball a little bit more kind of thing so I'm excited to see what Max Borgie um, and that Washington State offense can do as a whole, um, but specifically Max Borgie because I, I want to see see him, you know, get some more rushing attempts on the ground. Yeah, that's the crazy thing about it is 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 he 100,000 percent will see the ball a whole lot more this year because of the leaving of Mike Leach in it, and like it was a partial joke, but I think he was very sincere in that in that tweet as well you know what i mean because it is kind of hard for a running back to be in an offense where it is 1000 percent passing eccentric where you're getting the ball 60 times which i mean he did see the ball still don't get me wrong yes but but you know it's hard to kind of showcase your abilities to do stuff out of the backfield um in, in the next level if you can't run the ball a whole lot so it is you're right this is a i think it's a pivotal year for him big time because i think a lot he can showcase what he's worth and and kind of take his take washington state as a collective whole and put him on put him on his back and go from there 
Yeah, and, and Rook, I, I think, because he still saw the ball over 200 times, right? Even the targets, even the receptions, whatever. He still saw it over 200 times. So he can handle that type of a workload. Yep. But I think being him showing and being given that opportunity that he can run the ball more, I think that will just open the doors for him on the NFL level more so than just being a, hey, you caught, you know, X amount of passes over this amount of years. Like, that's kind of all you can do. So we'll put you in on the third down. I, I, I want to see him be able to basically be on the field at any moment any point and he's the guy that they don't even have to worry about so i think it's i think this like you just said it's a pivotal year for him absolutely so the guy that i want to talk about is a guy that i know you love a whole lot and that is puka williams jr um i am absolutely smitten by this guy um he's a four-star prospect he's a junior he's 5'9 175 he's not the biggest guy and i'll touch on that in a little bit but this guy is good at football, ladies and gentlemen. Um, his stats are astronomically beautiful. I mean, in two seasons so far, 364, 364 carries, 2,186 yards, and 10 total touchdowns. Uh, touchdowns were a touchdown, but the very pivotal thing that we talk about consistently on this podcast, 60 catches in two years, 503 yards, four touchdowns. That in itself right there, I could just stop talking about him and be very excited. But there's so much more to talk about him. Another key stat that we consistently talk about on this show, one out of every four carries for Puka this year resulted into a first down. He's 52 first downs in 2019. That is massive, massive stats for him. He's got over, he had 100 yards or 100 carries on first and 10 last year. He averaged five yards a carry. If you're rushing the ball and you get five yards in first down, almost every single time that is uh, something that you're going to continue to get the ball and especially a highlight on the next level accounted for 28.6 percent of kansas's uh scrimmage yards last year i think that's another uh pivotal thing uh, one thing that i want to point out that obviously you could talk until you're blue in the face about catching the ball but he's got a 92.9 percent uh, catch percentage last year which is insane for a running back. 28 targets, 26 catches. He averaged 7.5 yards per target, which is another thing that's kind of insane for a running back to do. You know, you have a lot of dump-off passes, you know, and this guy touches the football everywhere on the field. He's got 20-plus touches from his own 20 to inside the opponent's 20. His red zone numbers look pretty good. I mean, they're not great compared to some of these other running backs. He had 88 yards, three touchdowns in the red zone. A lot of his numbers came outside of the red zone. Like I said, his touchdowns were down, but touchdowns always aren't exactly the be-all, end-all. In fantasy, it is, yes, but I'm talking about in percent, you know, particular with this particular team, I don't think it's the be-all, end-all for him. The one thing that kind of stood out, again, I kind of piggybacked off of what Stoops has kind of been doing, but in two games against Oklahoma in his career, he's got 38 carries, 389 yards, and two touchdowns. That is a lot of yards in two games against a top-flight school. Last year, he took Texas to the woodwork for 25, 190, and two touchdowns. And also in those two Oklahoma games, he had eight catches as well. So again, the productivity is there. And this guy, you know, for being such a small guy, he handled 230 touches last year. That is a lot, guys. That is a lot. I mean, like I said, 5'9", 175. 
it's not the most ideal height and weight for a running back. It really, really isn't. It's very small. And maybe Puka, between this year and next year, into going into the into the draft, he can put on a little bit of more weight. I would say maybe 10-plus pounds or so. And obviously, like Stoop said earlier, you know, will it affect his speed? Maybe. Chase Claypool put on, what, 15 pounds and ran a faster 40 than whenever he had the 15 pounds off of him? Yeah. Like, I know that's an example, and I know that's – but. It's happening a lot. I just watched the offensive lineman who weighs like 325 or like a 479. You know what I mean? Like That's scary. <laughs> I'm just going to say that's sc- a big man like that running that fast. That's scary. It, it kind of blows your mind. So, I mean, in two years, you know, he has 400 touches. You know, he's got all the stats to back it up. He's very good in between the tackles. He's had 20 plus carries. And I think he had eight of the eight of his games last year. He is very, very elusive. He can take it to the house at any moment. I do know what they did last year. They don't. He didn't uh, return any kicks last year. He uh, returned some balls in 2018. Uh, he had 11 uh, kick returns for 246 yards. He averaged 22 yards per um, per kickoff return, which was very nice. I think that's something that. You know, I don't think they're going to have him return kicks again, but it's something to keep in the back of the mind when talking about Puka because I think it's something that um, if he doesn't come in, he's not the starting running back right away. I do think that, that he can be utilized on the football field um, from any aspect on Sundays. You know what I mean? They're gonna when you get drafted, they want you to play special teams. Puka Williams can play special teams. He can kick return. He I think he very well could be a punt returner as well. He's got the speed to do so. Um, he is very, 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 very good. He's elusive. He's fast. He can break tackles. And it's insane to me what he's capable of doing. Touches by quarters, another thing that really impressed me about him. He's not a running back that comes off the field late in the games. 21% of his touches came in the fourth quarter, which, again, something that really impressed me. He's, his yards per quarter, kind of, I mean, his uh, touches per quarter really are equal around the board, above 20% in all calibers. And third quarter alone, 67 uh, touches, which is 29%. This guy is good. I like him a lot. I look forward to talking about him of, uh, on 50 more podcasts to come this coming year. And I know, Stoops, that you you like this kid a whole lot too. Yeah, I've been a fan of his for at least started last season throughout there and up until this point. I mean, he had 28.6 you know, um, percent of the total yards on the team. So he's definitely a focal point of that offense. And I think it's just going to continue this year. Um, to me, he's shown what he can do, right? It's one of those things, though, you want to see it continue. So, um, And I'm not trying to go to receivers, but it's kind of like a Jalen Rager type thing, right? He puts out the phenomenal season, and then it just kind of went away. Now, it is not his fault. Obviously, quarterback situation there played a huge factor. But nonetheless, you want to, you hope that Puka is obviously going to stay involved in the, the level that he has, and we're going to continue to see, you know, even some some aspects of his game improve, which, you know, we, the, all these prospects have areas they can improve. So um, hopefully he does put on a little bit more weight. That's a big thing, too. So the height to me, like, yes, okay, 5'9 is not necessarily the most ideal, but we've seen shorter running backs excel, but they also had more than 175 pounds. So, um, hopefully he puts on some weight and we can definitely see that, but not affect his speed too terribly much. So no, he's definitely a guy that I've, I've been a huge fan of. Um, still a huge fan, obviously. Yeah, I have him at seven. Um, but it, like I said, it just kind of comes down to a couple of the other guys that I just like a little bit more. But he he's a guy to definitely keep an eye on, absolutely. 
Folks, do us a favor, head on over to expandtheboxscore.com, check out and utilize the tool that we use week to week on the podcast. Head on over to Twitter, give them a follow at XTVBoxScore. Give Stoops a follow at Stoops1990. Give myself a follow at Ricky Valer underscore. Thank you so much for tuning in. And until next time, we'll talk to you guys later. See y'all later.